Good morning again, church. We thank you again for joining us online this morning, and we look forward to these moments where we're able to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. And uh, this morning we're going to be looking at two different uh, passages of Scripture. Uh, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 14, and then also you can mark in your Bibles 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. But uh, as you as you go there, we consider today the significance of the resurrection of Christ. We're thankful again for all that he's done for us, his work on the cross, his atonement for us, uh, his death. But everything about that hinges on the resurrection and uh, what has been secured for his people in the resurrection. So uh, we we celebrate that today together as we look into God's word to see what the resurrection has meant and what it means for us uh, today. So Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 14, uh, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Uh, and then First Peter chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never uh, perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And let's pray. This morning as we look into God's Word, God, we thank you today for your Word, for your living Word, the ways that your Spirit makes your Word living and active in our hearts. We pray that you would reveal to us today uh, what your Spirit would uh, desire to say to us, what your Spirit would desire to do within us, that uh, these wouldn't be just moments again where we go through the, mo the motions of uh, hearing your Word, but we would hear and listen, we would hear and apply to our lives uh, your principles, and Father, that we would reflect your glory more and more. Help us to understand the significance of the resurrection, Christ's work for us, and uh, the significance of him rising for the dead and what that means for us today. Father, in your name we pray. Amen. So we want to look just at a few points that we see in these passages this morning. Uh, uh, just again, of the significance of the resurrection and what it means for us today. Uh, so the first thing that I want to look at here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, is the resurrection of Christ has destroyed the power of the enemy. Uh, so it says again in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse, verse 14, it says, He too, meaning Christ, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Uh, so through death, we understand that man would be separated from God for eternity. And this is the goal uh, of Satan. His goal is to separate mankind from God for eternity. That he isn't content just to leave people for a moment, uh, uh, just drag them away, away from God for a moment. But his desire is for them to be eternally separated from their creator. That they would never uh, be able to live out their purpose. They would never be able to realize the fullness of the blessings that God has for them, that he would destroy lives, that he would lead people away from 
all of those things that God has for his people, ultimately, simply, that he would cut off life from mankind so that they would be separated from the communion and fellowship that is available uh, with God. So, uh, Satan's goal then is to destroy mankind and separate from God for eternity. John MacArthur said this about this verse in uh, Hebrews 2.14. He said, The only way to destroy Satan was to rob him of his weapon, death. Physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. The only way to destroy Satan was to rob him uh, of his weapon, being death. And that is exactly what Christ did in his resurrection. See, he... he hung on the cross for us to bear our sins and he breathed his last and he was put in the tomb but that was not the end of it uh god raised him up through the power of the spirit god worked his power in christ to raise him from the dead and in that moment defeated death the very thing that it is is inevitable for every human being there's not one person on the face of the earth that will not face uh physical death and in that moment, Christ defeated that enemy of mankind. Now, that death was the, the weapon of our enemy, Satan's weapon against mankind to lead them into separation from God, eternal separation from God. Uh, and in that moment then, as Christ died for his people, uh, he destroyed the power of the enemy. The only power that the enemy actually had uh, over mankind, Christ destroyed that. Now consider what this means. Um, it Satan still has the opportunity to work in the lives of people if people allow him to do so. That is the first thing that uh, we have to understand when he's talking about uh, the destruction of Satan's power. Uh, again, in 2.14 it says, So that by his death, Christ's death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Now, breaking the power of the language used there, if you go back to the original language, that doesn't mean that it cuts off any possibility of death uh, as far as Satan having the power to, to lead people to death. It, that is still a possibility, but it has rendered his... His, uh, his weapon being death, it has caused that to be uh, ineffective or uh, powerless, again, unless somebody chooses to allow that death, Satan's weapon, to be at work within them. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I'm not subject to that anymore if I walk in Christ. Uh, Barnes Notes in the Bible said this about uh, Hebrews 2.14. It said, the word destroy here... Uh, or breaking the power. Uh, it is not used in the sense of closing life or killing, but in the sense of bringing into subjection or crushing his power. This is the work which uh, the Lord Jesus came to perform, to destroy the kingdom of Satan in the world and to set up another kingdom in its place. Uh, <clears throat> the general idea in the word is that of depriving a thing of the use for which it was intended. Uh, so the point is, that uh, Christ came to bring the power of Satan to bring death into subjection, that it wasn't something that had to rule over mankind anymore, but death was brought under the subjection of Christ. Uh, that Christ, again, as he said here, that 
uh, he would destroy the kingdom of Satan, the rule of Satan in the world, and to set up another kingdom in its place. Now, again, we understand that Satan still has power in this world. He still works in people. He still tries to draw people away from God. But ultimately, man is not subject to death unless he chooses to allow the power of Satan to be at work within him, unless he allows Satan to use that weapon against him. The only way I can be subject to death is if I choose to ignore life that is available in Christ. Uh, so Christ came, his resurrection destroyed the power of the enemy, meaning the power of death uh, in this life. The second thing we see here is that the resurrection of Christ brings peace where there had been fear. Uh, so Again, Hebrews 2, 14 to 15, it says, He too, Christ, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who for all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Uh, so death causes fear and anxiety because of many reasons. There are many people who are so fearful of death. When you start to talk about the subject, there are people that get anxiety and get fearful of even discussing the subject. Um, you know, there are situations where uh, people get sick and they become fearful of death. They, they don't want to die. Obviously, they want to live. Uh, there are situations where uh, it's just one of those subjects where you start bringing, when you start talking about death or when somebody is confronted with death, uh, for the most part in humanity, it brings about a very uh, uneasy or kind of sick feeling, uh, not knowing what's lying ahead or not knowing how to deal with death. Even considering that, uh, you know, with our children, a lot of times we, we uh, that is a subject we don't talk to them about in life. Uh, you know, when in reality, it, it is inevitable in life and we should prepare our children for it. I'm just saying that death is a subject for the most part that people like to avoid. Uh, so that's because of the fear and anxiety that, that it causes in us. And again, in verse 15, it says, Christ came to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Uh, there is fear and death because of the curse of sin. Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what his mission is. His goal is destruction of life itself, resulting in death. And whatever he has to do, he will uh, be at work trying to lead people to, uh, to death, uh, to destroy lives resulting in death. And thus, uh, eternal separation from God. Uh, the destruction by of a life by keeping them from laying hold of the purpose for which they were created. That is Satan's goal, that he would destroy somebody's life by keeping them from laying hold of the purposes for which God has created them. The man wouldn't realize his purpose. He wouldn't realize the purpose of his heart, the purpose of his, of his creation, being uh, an image bearer of God. Again, we've talked about before how the, 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 what happened in the Garden of Eden when man chose to rebel against God, when man fell, the point of that is that man was created in the image of God. He was uh, the only thing in creation where we see that God breathed his life into his creation. That is the only thing. You won't find that in anything else in creation. Uh, and the only thing in creation where it says that 
this, this created being bore the image of his creator, that was mankind. That's the only thing or only creation that bore the image of God. In the moment where Satan tempted them and they chose to succumb to temptation, they chose to rebel against God, in that moment they were robbed of their identity. They were robbed of the image. The image of God was broken in them. That is the reason that mankind needs to be redeemed because our very foundation, our very being, the image of God within us has been broken, has been stolen from us, and that has to be restored in us through the work of Christ in our lives. But that is what Satan desires to perpetuate in our lives is a life where we would not lay hold of our purpose again, where we wouldn't be redeemed back to that purpose, where we wouldn't be redeemed from this broken image of God back to a restored image where we reflect the glory of God. That is Satan's goal, that he would keep us from laying hold of that. Uh, But he has then, uh, the, the point is then his mission is death destruction and death and his weapon is sin we see this in first first corinthians chapter 15 starting in verse 55 it says where O death is your victory where O death is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god he gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ uh so um Ellicott's commentary says this, The sting of death is sin. Death is pictured as a monster, and it is armed with a sting. Its sting is sin. If there were no sin, death would not be capable of inflicting pain. And the strength of sins springs from the fact that it is a violation of God's law. Death would not be capable, if there were no sin, death would not be capable of inflicting pain. So what he is saying is, that God had these principles and these laws for that would govern the universe, that everything is founded on God's principles uh, and His holiness. And when man chose to uh, transgress that law, to step over that law, to do his own thing, to be the God of his own life, uh, he is choosing to sin against God. And in that moment, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, that Because of God's holiness, because of his justice, he has to punish sin. So when man chooses to sin, he is transgressing God's law. And in that, then, death becomes effectual. Death has power over mankind because man has chosen to transgress God's law, leading to death. Uh, So where there is no sin, as he says again here, where, where there is no sin, death would not be capable of inflicting pain. Uh, and strength of sin springs from the fact that it is a violation of God's law. So where there is no sin, death is not capable of inflicting pain. So the sting of death is sin. Because of the sin of man, death has sin, this, uh, death has uh, sting, death has victory. Um, Again, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But then it goes on and says, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, death is effectual in us. Death has power over us. Satan's weapon, death, has power over us because of sin. Because of 
uh, our lives, our hearts being profane before God because of God's holiness, looking on the sin of mankind's heart, and he is bound by justice then to judge man's heart. But there is something that Christ has done in us. The resurrection of Christ brings peace where there had been feared death. Us being bound by death, being bound by sin, leads us to the place of fear. I am fearful before God. I am fearful of judgment. I am fearful of death because my heart uh, needs to be purified before God. Because Christ uh, is the only one who can do the work of purifying, giving peace, bringing me back into communion and fellowship with God. And when I experience fellowship and communion with the God that has created me, uh, He restores me again back to His image within me. He restores me back to my purpose uh, in being created. Uh, and in that moment, then, I have nothing to fear in death again, because in verse 57, But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through Christ Jesus. Because of His resurrection, He has defeated death. And in Him, His atonement on the cross, paying our sins, paying the penalty for our sins, uh, he, the Bible says that He took his, our sins on Himself. In that moment, He took all of our sins. He bore them so that uh, we would have the opportunity to have a clear conscience before God, if we would trust in Him. And in that moment, then, that I have a clear conscience before Christ, because I have been purified in Christ, because He is interceding for me, because He is working on my behalf, and in that moment, then, I recognize that death has no victory over me, that I have nothing to fear in death, because I am experiencing victory, the same victory that Christ has experienced, after his death and in that tomb when he began to have his life put back in him by the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God raised him through the power of God and defeated death, I share in that same victory through him. And in that, death is nothing to fear. I have no reason to fear death because, number one, I have a clear conscience before God. And two, I understand that death has no power over me anymore because Christ is the one who shelters me. Romans 8, starting verse 1, it says, Therefore there is no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Uh, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who did not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Uh, and then in verse 10, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in us. So Christ came to set us free from condemnation, to set us free from the law of sin and death. Uh, to bring life to our mortal bodies through the Spirit who, the same Spirit, the Bible says, uh, the same power who raised Christ from the dead, the same Spirit who worked that, who worked that power in Christ, raising Him from the dead, now dwells within me, that I have no condemnation in Christ, but I also have this power that has raised Christ to victory over death. I have that living inside of me now 
through the Spirit of God. So there is nothing to fear in death because of the resurrection of Christ. The next thing we see is the resurrection of Christ was an act of divine pity of God, providing hope for humanity. Now we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, it says um, in verse 3, it says, In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So if you look again in his great mercy has given us new birth if you go back and you study the word mercy uh it comes from the greek word that means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted joined with the desire to help them kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted joined with the desire to help them or compassion or pity so what we see here is in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. The resurrection of his of Christ from the dead was that work was provided for mankind by the mercy or compassion or divine pity of God looking on the helpless estate of mankind the miserable state the afflicted state of mankind and in that moment, God had this desire through his goodness to help mankind, to help raise him out of that state uh, of misery. Uh, so God's divine pity has provided hope for mankind. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mercy is the outward, uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary said this, Mercy is the outward manifestation of pity. It assumes need on the part of him who receives it, and resources adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it. So God's mercy assumes the need in us. It sees the depths of our heart. It sees the brokenness in our heart. It sees the affliction in our heart. And in God's goodness, he sees that. And in compassion and pity... He acts out of his goodness, providing hope where there was no hope. Understanding that we were hopeless, that we were, we were helpless, we had nothing, we had no hope whatsoever. We had, there is nothing on the face of this earth that we can do that would be of eternal value without God. And without him, if he would not have acted in divine pity, again, death would have ruled over mankind. But through the resurrection of Christ... We are brought a living hope because he has been raised out of death. He has defeated death. He has victory over death. And again, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians says. And in that moment that I experience the same victory that Christ has experienced, death has no mastery over me. Death has no power over me. God takes me from that miserable, afflicted place of hopelessness where death, where death reigned over over my life and he raises me up out of that in his goodness out of divine pity and raises me up as the bible says to be a kingdom of priests in him that we would be a people for his own possession that is by the goodness of god that has been motivated by his compassion and pity on the misery that mankind has walked in raising them up out of that giving them a living hope something that uh that it is not a hope that we ever have to worry about failing it is not a hope that uh, ever ceases to exist but as sure as solid as eternal as god is uh, that work in us is eternal and sure in a solid foundation 
for us to live in every moment of every day. There is never a moment where we aren't able to experience the living hope of Christ in us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Uh, His kindness to us in Jesus was in the pardoning of our sin, adopting us as his children, regenerating our lives and saving us. His immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And it starts, he did that, he provided that through Christ Jesus, the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. That was motivated by his mercy. Again in verse 4 it says, But God being rich in mercy because of his love for with which he has loved us. In that, then, God's mercy, because of his love for us, has extended to us immeasurable riches of grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That means that everything that Christ has for us, again, his pardoning our sins, adopting us as his children, regenerating our lives, saving us, he gives us living hope. Uh, That is all motivated by God's mercy, by his compassion, by his divine pity, looking on the helpless estate of mankind. Uh, So, we've received a living hope. Again, not a hope that just sits on a shelf somewhere and we revisit when times get difficult, but we have uh, a vibrant, bright, joyous hope that shines itself on everything in our lives, bringing peace and calm, even in the midst of pain and suffering, understanding that this living hope that we have, that is the source of joy in this life. That is the source of peace because uh, things are constantly changing around us in life. The, the things that we deal with on a daily basis are constantly changing and moving. There are ups and downs and difficulties and suffering and pain. We cannot be subject, we don't have to be subject to those things on a daily basis because in the moment where I step into God's mercy and the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward me in Christ, I experience this living hope with Him that originates where He is. Again, as we've talked about before, the God is transcendent of this universe. He is not subject to anything in this universe. He is not subject uh, to... Uh, time. He is eternal. He is self-sufficient. He is all-powerful. He is full of wisdom. Everything that he is transcends this universe. And my living hope that I experience in Christ originates from the place where God is. Originates out of his power, out of his self-sufficiency, out of his uh, powerful wisdom and justice. It is perfect. The living hope is perfect because it originates where God is and is founded in who God is, and it is not subject to things on this earth. In that, I am able to experience joy in the midst of suffering and pain and trials because my hope is not from here. My hope is from the place where God is. And uh, again, the Bible says, set your mind on things above, set your, uh, fix your heart on things above where Christ is seated, with God in heaven, that my eyes, my thoughts, my desires, my joy, my peace, my self-worth, that would come from the place where Christ is seated with God, where Christ dwells with God now, not from this earth. Uh, So, 
Christ came in his resurrection uh, was an act of divine pity, providing a living hope for mankind. The next thing that we see is that the resurrection of Christ has secured our inheritance. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready for you, who through faith are by shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, so we understand then the significance of this, that the living hope through the resurrection of Christ and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Christ's resurrection has secured for us an inheritance. Now, considering that uh, Christ, the only Son of God, is the natural heir of the Father. Christ is the natural heir of the Father. Uh, the Bible says, God said to him, You are my son, today I become your father. Um, if we look through the Word of God, we see that Christ's inheritance is the whole universe. Everything that is in existence, Hebrews 1-2 says that the Son has been appointed heir of all things. Everything that exists, Christ is the heir of all things. Everything that exists. And the Bible says that we are adopted as sons, and in that moment we are made co-heirs with Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 8, starting verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption and, and sonship, your adoption to sonship. Uh, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we almost also may share in his glory. Uh, so, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ of everything that has been given to Christ. Everything that is Christ's inheritance, we are also co-heirs of all things. Uh, heirs means those who receive their allotted possession by right of sonship, that through Christ I've been given a living hope, living hope through his resurrection, because he has risen, defeated death. I can be adopted then again as uh, God's child, that I would be a son of God, a daughter of God, and in that moment that I am a co-heir with Christ of all things that are given to him by the Father. We are as welcome in God's family as Jesus is. We are accepted to be loved by God. All that belongs to Christ will belong to us as co-heirs. This is the living hope that we have. Through the resurrection of Christ, we have been giving this living hope that he would restore us to the family of God, to be sons of God. And in that, we receive this inheritance that has been secured by us by the resurrection of Christ. The last thing that we look at here is that the resurrection of Christ assures our safety. First Peter, again, uh, chapter 1, starting verse 3, In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, 
who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. The resurrection of Christ assures our safety. Uh, So people who believe in Christ and trust in Him are shielded by God's power. Again, it says, You who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed. Uh, this, this language here, if you go back and study it, signifies that we are kept under something like a military guard or defended as in a fortress or castle. Uh, that God's people are under constant watch care of God. That God hasn't left us to ourselves. That He hasn't just uh, provided some sort of hope and salvation and left us and said, Okay, figure it out. That's not how God works. God leads his people to salvation in Christ. He has provided them, uh, again, pardon for their sins in Christ, adoption as sons, an inheritance, regeneration, a living hope. All of these things that God has provided for us, his desire is to guard us in those things. As we walk in faith, we trust in him that his power would guard our hearts and enable us to see the end of those things, to lay hold of the ultimate victory in those things. Because in this life, we experience the blessings of God. We experience a taste, a foretaste of the heavenly blessings of God in this life. We have that hope in this life. But I haven't realized the fullness of that until I stand in the presence of God and see Him as He is. That I would have... uh, this uh, opportunity to dwell in the presence of God, to have communion with Him as I see Him face to face, that is when we finally realize and see the end result of our faith. We lay hold of the fullness of our faith. But in this life, God guides us through uh, in our faith. He shields us as uh, under a military guard or, defen- guard or defended as in a fortress or castle. That is God's power working around us in faith to hold us, to lead us to victory, to seeing the fullness of the living hope that is made available to us. Uh, God's people are, uh, God's true people are under constant care and uh, watch, watch care of God. Uh, We are by the mercy of God, given a living hope, moving from death to life and salvation, and adopted into the family of God, given the very rights of a son to inheritance. And we are then shielded by the power of God, preserving us to lay hold uh, of our inheritance in Christ. As we consider today the resurrection of Christ, as we celebrate this moment today, we need to understand the significance of what God has done for us in Christ. We need to understand the significance, not just, not just that it would be one day a year that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, that every single day of my life I would walk in the living hope that is available to me through the resurrection of Christ, that every single day I would understand that God has assured my safety through the re- resurrection of Christ, and I can experience uh, peace in that that he has secured my inheritance in Christ, that everything that Christ has been given, I am a co-heir of all of those things, that God has acted out of his divine pity and worked in my life through his mercy and compassion and goodness, uh, that he has provided me then a living hope through that, that he has destroyed the power of the enemy, that he has brought peace in the midst of fear because I understand that death, death has no power over me in Christ. All of those things... The resurrection means to us 
in our lives. And we as believers need to live every single day of our lives out of a vision, an understanding, uh, an appreciation, a thankfulness, a joyousness, a peace that comes from understanding the significance of Christ's resurrection in the work that that has accomplished on our behalf before God. God, we thank you again today for the opportunity to just look into your word, to worship you. And again, as we are separated, Father, we pray that that wouldn't hinder your spirit from working in our hearts, but you would bind us together in these moments in ways that we have never even imagined before. Father, that your work would be accomplished in us, that you would give us a heavenly vision, a spiritual vision to understand the significance of the resurrection and the glory that is able to work in our hearts through your spirit because of the resurrection of Christ. Father, we love you today. We thank you for all that you have done. It is in your name we pray. Amen.